You're listening to the Business with Purpose podcast with your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. This podcast takes you behind the scenes with some of the world's most generous entrepreneurs, from the CEOs of mission-driven brands to directors of small community nonprofits and everything in between. Molly is sitting down with men and women who believe in changing the world not only through their personal lives, but also their professional careers. And now, here's Molly. Welcome to the Business with Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Molly Stillman, and my super special guest today is the lovely and talented Katie Martinez, the founder of probably my favorite clothing company of all time, Elegant Tees. Katie, welcome to the show. Hi. I'm so so excited to have you on the show. This is awesome. I know. And I, I, you know, we've been talking about having you on the show for a couple months now. And so it's just the fact that it's the day has come. And I'm so honored that you would take time out of your busy schedule to talk with me. It's my pleasure. I'm excited for this. So for those of you who have maybe been living under a rock, I don't know. Elegant Tees is just, I mean, okay, well, one, all right. First, they are an amazing, ethically and sustainably made clothing company uh, that is headquartered in New York City, but manufactures their clothing in Nepal. Um, but there's just so many amazing, unique things about them. They make clothes for women. One, okay, so let me say, ladies, all right, out there, if you're a lady and you're listening, men, listen if you have a lady in your life. <laughs> if you know a lady, listen up, men. Ladies, if you have never tried on an item of clothing from Elegant Tees, you are missing out. Not only are their fabrics amazing, but the fit is so, it's, it's meant for a woman. It's not like meant for a tween. It's not like unflattering. I mean, just, oh, oh my goodness. Okay. I could go on. <laughs> um, but before we really, really get into kind of the nitty gritty of what Elegant Tees does, because not only do they make great clothes, they have just an amazing story. Katie has an amazing heart. She literally has like one of the biggest hearts uh, of anybody I know. She's so selfless. She's an amazing mama, an amazing wife. And I just, oh, I just love her so much. So Elegant Tees manufactures in Nepal, and they actually work to help rescue and restore the lives of victims of human trafficking. Um, And if you know me, you know this is an issue that is extremely important to me. Um, I serve on the board of directors for a local human trafficking organization here in the central North Carolina region. Um, Human trafficking is just an issue that I am extremely passionate about, uh, just raising awareness and, and just working to do whatever I can in my own little circle of influence. To to bring an end to it, um, so we're gonna obviously we're gonna get into all these things. But first, Katie, I want you to give me the Katie one hundred and one. Okay, so <laughs> so tell tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What did you do um, that kind of led you to where you are today, and what led you to starting Eleganties? Wow, what a fun question. <laughs> I grew up on a farm in Iowa in a very small town, and I was very artistically um, gifted as a child. I loved to draw a lot, and um, that was my favorite subject in school. So I, I really tried to nourish that, that gifting of mine, and that's what I really enjoyed doing. 
Um, when the 1996 Olympics came around in Atlanta, the U.S. women's gymnastics team won the gold. And I was so excited. Finally, it was a sport that I loved because oh, I yeah. played softball and I was awful at it. <laughs> so I started to take gymnastics classes. But as being an artist that I was, I dreamed of actually going to the Olympics myself. <laughs> and I would actually draw myself on the balance beam, on the floor exercise, um, and all these different outfits. <laughs> so it kind of started like that when I was 10 years old. <laughs> and as I drew that, though, I, I really was able to study what the woman's body was like, um, even at that early age. And then later, when I hit puberty, I started to watch a, a soap opera with my mom. And it was called The Bold and the Beautiful. It's based out in L.A. There's like two fashion houses that fight against each other all the time. And I was like, whoa, this is so fascinating to me. So that's what kind of led me into fashion was that soap opera, actually. <laughs> I grew up on a farm in Iowa. So it's like, where do you get the fashion passion for? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I dreamed of actually living in L.A. since since I was like 13. But um, I ended up in New York. I'll get to that later. Uh, so while I was in high school, I learned how to sew and I would, um, go to the stores all the time. I would always go shopping, but not to actually buy clothes, but to inspect them. Like I would just sit in the stores and I would look at the seams of the clothes and study how they were made. So I, I was very technically inclined and, um, that's a lot of what I love doing today too, is. Um, even more than like the drawing and the art element and even the trend research is just figuring out how things are made and being able to think of a way that is better and um, how to put the clothes together yeah. and being able to communicate that to, to everyone in Nepal so that they can assemble it, all these beautiful items and these technical details. So it's really exciting to, to be able to do that. Yeah, that's so that's I'm I, I'm not a technical person like I and I'm not I'm art, I'm artsy in other ways, but definitely not. I can't draw. I can draw like a stick figure with hair and that's like about as good as it gets for me. But but I, I also I, I'm very fascinated by how things are done. I definitely do that, like where I'll look at a clo piece of clothing and kind of just like look at the stitching. And I'm just fascinated as to how that all kind of comes together. It's amazing. I, I love that. And I'm really fascinated too by like people who make jewelry because I never got into that. But that's another area that I think is really amazing. But I've, I've gone into into apparel so much that that's my thing. And that's my passion. So we'll just keep on doing elegant teeth. But yeah, it's it's really, I love it. I love it so much. And I, I'm so thankful that, you know, I was able to get to this point where I can do that for what I do every day. And I was able to do that in school. And I was able to do that um, in my early career working in the fashion industry here in New York. So when you were in high school and you were you were very artsy, what is so uh, spoiler alert for folks that didn't know you went to FIT. So what yes. kind of st what did you what led you to ultimately apply and, and go to FIT and, and what brought you to New York and you know, out of a farm in Iowa? <laughs> Uh, well, I was, I mentioned I was interested in LA and all the schools I was looking at in LA would require a massive amount of student loans. And um, my parents weren't able to contribute uh, very much at all to my education. And I wasn't going to go to school to be a doctor. I was going to go to school to do fashion. So I was like, I could end up being a starving artist. I don't know. I don't want to get into massive student loan debt. So um, I started to look at New York instead. 
And I found FIT and FIT is a very affordable school. It's a state school. Um, so if you become a New York state resident, you get it like you get tuition like super cheap. So I was able to, to make that work. Um, but the thing about FIT is that it's so competitive to get in. I mean, I, it, the acceptance rate is for the fashion design program is somewhere around 3%. Oh my so goodness. Like, um, if this happens, if I actually get into the school, then I'm pretty sure this is what God wants me to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I applied and I flew out to New York with my dad and that was, it was awesome to come to New York for the first time with my dad. Yeah. Um, because we're both like, you know, from the middle of the lower. And my dad was really fascinated when he came to New York and he was talking to a lot of the other parents that were applying for FIT with their kids and, um, you know, just looking up at all the buildings and, and stuff. And I was so excited to come to New York. I was like, I really hope that I get into the school because this is exactly where I would love to be. And um, I had an interview and I had to wait for a while for to get the acceptance letter. And once I did, I was like, totally blown away by by this um, event in my life that it was happening. So I moved to New York in the summer of 2005, and I've been here since. Wow. Wow. So I know most of your story, but so you were at FIT, you, um, and what, did you have like a major or a, you know, I'll be honest, I don't even know really. I just know I'm like, FIT is like the bomb and it's like where you go if you want to do fashion. But like, how does it work? Do you, do you have a major? Do you have a concentration? I majored in fashion design for the first, the first part of my education there. And then after the first two years, you can do a different program. Like you can do something more specialized, such as knitwear uh, sportswear, which is like everyday kind of clothing, intimate apparel, evening wear. So I didn't want to necessarily become a master at one type of design. Yeah. I was really interested in the logistics of how the production of everything came together. So I, I, after I did the, the two-year program for apparel design, I switched over to production management. And that's one of the cool things about FIT is that you can do like a two for two program yeah. and you end up with your four year degree. So I, um, I started to do production management, but after I did my, I was at FIT for a long time. And that is because I was actually in the industry while I was a student. So I was um, taking not as much course load as you typically would if you were just a full out full time student. Um, so while I was in at FIT, I was interning for some, some clothing companies and I was working in retail. And after I finished the apparel program, I started working for Lian Fung, which is a huge, it's, I think it's still the number one, um, import export company in the world that sells to big, huge brands like Target and Walmart. So I was part of the, the production team that did the product development and production for the, the designer labels yeah. like Jonathan Sanders, um, Alexander McQueen for Target. So that was oh, really exciting yeah. to be a part of that. And I was there for a year and then I got recruited from one of my one of my coworkers who moved on to another company to work for that company. And then while I was there, it was really awesome because I was doing a lot of hands-on production right here in the United States. And um, that was just amazing to me because I felt like I was able to kind of take, like really kind of make it my own business, even though I was working for somebody else, 
because my my supervisors gave me that flexibility to change things. Once I got in there and I kind of felt out how everything was working, I could change things to improve the system. Yeah. And um, so that was great. And once I was there, I was thinking to myself every single day, I want to start my own line. <laughs> and uh, because I was doing I was basically running a business for them and I was working with all the buyers and I was working on all the production and I was making sure design and, and the technical people were moving everything along so that all the deliveries could be met. And, um, and you realized that you were basically doing the work you wanted to be doing for yourself, but you were doing it for somebody else. Yeah, exactly. So that ultimately led you to the desire, obviously, to start your own line. Um, now, obviously, Elegantese is a little different. So what was the motivation behind starting Elegantese? And, you know, how did you get hooked? Up? I mean, I know it is totally a God story, um, but I would love for you to kind of share how you got um, connected with Ramesh, who is your contact in, um, in Nepal. And, you know, what led you to, you know, does, you know really focus on... Um, you know, human trafficking? Well, when I was at FIT, one of the classes I did take was a class called World Affairs, and it introduced us to um, a lot of the things that are happening in today's world, such as human trafficking. And I didn't even realize this was happening. I mean, I figured there was, you know, children working in sweatshops in other parts of the world, but I never really was able to, like, take it in. I just knew that that was happening out there. Um, but I just didn't know, oh, what companies are responsible for that? And, and what's the reason for it? And why is this happening? And how is it happening? Can it be stopped? Um, but what I learned about sex trafficking in particular, where young girls are being taken from their families, and they are basically moved to other parts of the world, where they are sold as commodities, as prostitutes, um, and these girls are, are young. I mean, yeah. they, some of them are, have like barely hit puberty. Some of them are even younger mm-hmm. and they're basically getting raped like dozens of times every single day. Yeah. And this, this idea really, um, shattered me a lot because I was so, I felt devastated that this was happening in this world and that there was such evil. Um, and I remember sitting at FIT, you know, when I was taking this class and I was sitting on the steps outside by the, by on 27th street. And I remember I was just, um, so heartbroken by it. And I was praying, I was asking God to, you know, open up an opportunity for me one day to, to do something. Cause I, I felt like I was helpless. You know, I was like, I'm a college student. Um, I'm barely paying my bills myself. Like, how can I do something um, to to help, you know, and, and help put a stop to this? <clears throat> and years later, um, when Elegantes was able to start, I remembered that prayer that I had that, that day. And um, I didn't exactly know how, you know, that, that Elegantes could be a, a, a vessel to be able to fulfill that. But um, I had that in mind and I stepped forward with Elegantes and I started working at first and with factories in New York that I um, became friendly with and had connections with um, to produce the first collections. And then at that time I was 
connecting with a lot of organizations and a lot of people who um, were connected to the cause of, of fighting human trafficking. And I um, actually ended up meeting one man named Ramesh, who is a, he's born and raised in Nepal. And he, he's basically in charge of an a NGO over there that is rescuing 20,000 women and children every year mm. from trafficking in Nepal. And um, he's been doing this for 20 some years. I think um, that's, you know, you say that and it's as somebody who has spent a lot of time, a lot of time doing research and um, just working with human trafficking, anti-human trafficking organizations, the number still shocks me when like somebody like Ramesh is impacting 20,000. I know. I don't know how they do it. I mean, 20, and that's not even like, that's not even scratching the surface of the entire yeah. worldwide problem. But but one man is impacting 20,000 women. It has just, uh, it blows me away. It blows me away. Sorry, continue. <laughs> so you got, so you got hooked up with Ramesh. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It, it really does bring, you know, a, a sense of, of um, just uh, stillness to, to you when you yeah. think about those numbers. Uh, so he was, just sharing. I was just in a room with a bunch of, of college students from Regent University because mm-hmm. I came. I went to Regent to do a little fashion show with their IJM sector at oh, the yeah. school. And um, while I was there, one of the students, you know, said, "You need to meet Ramesh. He's he's in town, and he's doing a presentation." So I was like, "This sounds awesome." So I was in I was in this room. It was kind of like a conference room, and I was just hearing him talk about what he was doing and how his dream was to actually put an end to trafficking in Nepal by essentially getting rid of the poverty and the vulnerability to be trafficked in the first place. Yeah. And the, and the, he said that the only way this is possible is not through charitable donations because people can't live, live off of charity forever. I mean, char- charitable donations are extremely important, um, you know, to, pro- to fund things that businesses cannot necessarily provide, such as counseling and the rescuing and and um, the scope of those things. But to be able to really help these women not get trafficked again, or even trafficked in the first place, is by providing some kind of an economic opportunity yes. where they can get a fair and livable wage and that they can provide for their family, they can provide for themselves. And they're, if, if, and also be able to have that education to, to know what a trafficker looks like because poverty isn't the only thing that lures people into trafficking. There's other factors too, such as um, insecurity. And uh, so, you know, if a, if a man approaches a woman and he says she's beautiful and he wants to take her away and marry her, you know, whatever, and the woman's rather insecure about herself for whatever reason, she will believe him. And, yep. and unfortunately, when, when she gets into the other country, but that woman may be taken and her passport could be comp- like taken away and, and then she's, uh, she's in a hopeless situation. Yeah. But once we can, once Ramesh can hire all these women, then, then you, you don't have that vulnerability right. as much anymore. Right. The vulnerability has greatly decreased. So then you're going to see a lot more freedom for a lot more people in the country of Nepal. Yeah, it's this is something that we talk about. I think I talk about this on pretty much every episode of this podcast. And and <laughs> I talk about it all the time. It's just the importance of a job. And yeah. it, it cannot be hammered home enough of just how important it is to 
really just provide opportunities for men and women all across the world to work because we take a job for granted in this country, I feel like, and a lot of times. We just we don't realize how thankful we should be for the, the opportunities that we have because in so many other countries and in so many other cultures and it's just it's really difficult and especially in a culture like Nepal or a country like Nepal like uh, you know women working can even be uh, a trouble you know a, a problem because it's like it's almost like culturally you know women shouldn't work so you met Ramesh you guys got connected what so and this was in like 2000 and nine 2010 I met him in 2011 2011 at the end of it and then we started to to just kind of talk you know and figure out if we could even logistically do this because there's all kinds of obstacles that you have to get that you have to basically get through before you can even start working in an underdeveloped nation um it's not like working with Hong Kong where you can send something FedEx overnight and it's no problem and it's not that expensive and there's no customs and all that kind of stuff yeah uh when we first started sending a sample to nepal it was i could not believe how expensive it was to send fedex and then also just the process of them to be able to receive the package because fedex doesn't deliver every single day and they don't you know you have to like go to the main city to pick it up and if the customs people or somewhat corrupt they're going to try to charge you a wild fee, you know, in order for you to just retrieve it. So um, when we started working with with Nepal, it, it took a long time to just get things started because there was a lot of things such as also the, the, the communication process and how we actually communicated and um, with the language barriers and such. And then um, just also the sewing as well, you know, when they we, when we first sent a sample over for them to sew, they they use a certain stitch um, for the hemming, and it it's not really an acceptable stitch. I mean, it is, but it depends on what it's for. But most of the time, you need to do just a, a plain cover stitch or a flat lock for the the hems, and so they had to try to find that type of machine and then learn how to use that. Yeah. So, you know, in the beginning, it just kind of took us a while to, to get things to an acceptable standard to even start working. Yeah. And then we started working together on a dress and we called it the Hope Dress and we don't have any more in stock anymore, but uh, it was our very first project with them. And it it was it was really neat to to introduce that back in September 2012 is when we first introduced that dress. Wow. Because it was the first item that we were able to sell that was made by a survivor of trafficking. And then we just started to um, give them more and more work. And I um, I eventually ended up um, leaving my job after I got married um, to my husband, Israel. And... So then I kind of lost some of my connections in New York with the factories that I was working with then. And, um, but that was, that was perfectly fine because I think that I was somewhat attached to those factories and I was relying on them because the cost to produce with them was so much less than producing in Nepal. And for me to just take that step of faith fully and say, okay, I'm just going to start working with Nepal now, um, was was the step of faith because as a business person you have to think about cash flow and profitability. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And that we've been we were working on for for a couple years, and I think we're finally in a place where we are able to 
have things be more profitable for us. That's just to amazing. Make it sustainable. Yeah. So I was first introduced to you guys, I think, in 2013. And since that wow. time, you guys have just grown so much. It's amazing what you guys have been able to do, the um, just the amazing impact that you've been able to have, how many more artisans you've been able to employ. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, some of your artisans. And I one in particular that I just, you know, I adore her. I've never met her, obviously, in person, but I just, I love her stories, Gita. Um, you know, so talk a little bit about Gita, and um, and then I'd also love for you to kind of share the um, the tilt campaign that you guys did over the summer yeah. to, to get more sewing machines and kind of how that went. Yeah, talk, talk to us about that. Well, Gita's been um, in the sewing center since we pretty much started working with Ramesh. And she, when she first started, she was, I mean, she just finished a very short counseling period. So she still needed more counseling when she started sewing for us. But she was not very, from what I, from what I was told, you know, she was very kind of depressed and everything just seemed a little bit hopeless because she was, she came out of, out of, out of, what I can't even imagine the things that she must have endured, you know, being a traffic person and sex trafficking. But on top of that, she tried to go back home to her family who lived in a a more rural part of Nepal and they would not take her back. They would not accept her back as their, their daughter. And the reason for that is because um, they all believe that karma is the reason for what happened to Gita was actually what happened to her was that she had that karma and she was carrying it around. And there's a lot of superstition that comes with that. So they felt that if she was in her presence and if they accepted her back, they were going to experience bad karma also. Um, So they just would not accept her back, even though she was greatly encouraged to, to try again, you know, because it's her family, you know, she loves them and, and there's, great things that could happen in that reconciliation. So she was encouraged to keep on trying and trying. Well, uh, when she was working in the sewing center, she was able to make money and support herself and live by herself. And she actually was able to spend money back to her family. Her family is living in, you know, they're impoverished people. So they were really touched and amazed and shocked (laughs) in a good way that Gita was able to send money to them and she was earning it like in a, in a dignified way too. And this, this act really inspired them so much that they accepted her back into, into their lives. Um, And now Gita, like her life has changed completely. And she believes greatly that she's, you know, whatever, whatever um, karma or as we, you know, refer to it as Christians, it's sin, whatever sin we have um, endured, that it is forgivable because there is, you know, ultimately a God who's done his son to to redeem us from that. And that's what Kitsa believes in, and she's been redeemed. And her whole family also believes that now too. So the transformation is incredible. And for the for the four years or so that Gita's been working for us, um, to see her now, you know, she um, she's a lot more joyful about life and 
you would never guess looking at her if you meet her that she was someone who was trafficked and enforced against her will to do all these um, awful things that happened to her. They're just unimaginable. Um, exactly. I, I can't even imagine them. But for her to be able to be so transformed um, and renewed that she was able to inspire other women in the sewing center. One of our recent hires, you know, she was able to recruit her and encourage her and and bring her, you know, and, and as part of our family over there. And they all call each other sisters. And I love that. The whole culture is just so beautiful in Nepal. And, um, and sometimes there's there's tension because we we have to fix something that was sewn incorrectly or something like that. You know, everything. Yeah. It's a typical workplace in that regard where there's always things that need to be fixed or adjusted or changed to improve. But um, there's definitely a lot of love over there. And and I, I love that that Elegant Tees gets to be a huge part of that and is essentially the the provider of this sewing center. And you guys have faced so many challenges, obviously, like you said earlier, with <laughs> just with working in Nepal. And um, I mean, we won't get too much into it, but I mean, just after the Nepali earthquake, just yes. the, I mean, how much of an impact that had on, I mean, obviously on the country, but just also yeah. on the artisans and the business. And then you had the oil, it was the oil strike and the um, issues with India. And I mean, just... I mean, we don't think about the fact that like you need, so in the sewing center, you guys have generators that run everything. Well, those exactly. generators require a gasoline. <laughs> so, yeah. And well, after the earthquake, there was all the, there was the political tension and strife and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, I mean, it was a big deal, but sadly it was not covered on the news. Like I feel like it should have been, right. but I mean, and so I guess it was actually like, this time last year and it kind of in the late summer oh, yeah. fall and I mean you guys had to change everything up with production because you couldn't even get you couldn't run this the machines for as long as you needed and you couldn't get supplies in and out I mean what was that like for you as a business owner but also as just somebody who just you care so deeply for these women um, and their jobs and this company. What was that like for you kind of going through all of those challenges last year? Um, it was definitely hard because I, there were some days where I was like thinking to myself, you know, wow, before we weren't able to give them enough orders to feel like they were motivated enough to keep going. Yeah. But now that, so many stores and so many more customers have come on board with us at Elegantes that we have a ton of orders to give them. Um, but now they have this this challenge where they, they can't even run the machines right now. It was a, another point of discouragement, you know, but we were thinking of solutions. I'm always trying to be a solution-oriented person, <laughs> yeah. which is like a gift because uh, not everybody is like that. <laughs> so, but... Um, I was thinking of solutions, and um, one one idea we had was for the girls to work from home um, in the middle of the night, kind of when the electricity is functioning. Uh, but thankfully, we never had to go to that route. But there was also a couple times where I had to step back and say, you know, I don't know if I don't know if Nepal is, is going to happen anymore because the the oil shortage was so long; it lasted at least six months that yeah. that that was like that and 
we were we weren't sure if we were going to be able to get fabrics in and then um, there was all kinds of upcharges with with the logistics of it um, so I was having to consider you know doing other countries or something but um, when when it all came back together and and the border between Nepal and India was opened again um, all of a sudden things just got so much better and since then since I guess April when the border opened up again yeah it's been a lot easier being able to work with them and and one of our girls you know I've been able to help grow and mature her as a, a liaison for us and she's been doing a great job I think with um, making sure that everything is running smoothly and you know it's just it's been it's been really awesome now and it's it's great that um, you know our goal our dream is is I, sometimes I think Ramesh is you know crazy because he wants <laughs> to hire like 500 girls one day and I'm just like how are we gonna do that? And by crazy <laughs> you mean crazy awesome. Yeah crazy awesome exactly yeah in a good way but he's just got such incredible faith because um, I'm more of a conservative person when it comes to okay, I'm not going to buy this much inventory or I'm not going to buy this much fabric or I'm not going to buy this much machines until I know that I'm going to be able to actually give you enough orders to, to um, you know, get make it, make it so that it will be a, a good outcome. Yeah. You know? I, don't want, I don't want anything to, I don't want to like hire too many girls and then have to lay them off. I want to make sure that when we hire them, they're going to stay like they're going to be able to stay and they're going to be able to know that um, their job is, is secure. Yeah. So Ramesh is Ramesh is very much a man of faith. Like he's like, OK, well, you, you're telling me that you're anticipating um, a thousand to two thousand units in the new year. We're going to have to expand our, our space because we can only fit so many machines in this current one. And he mentioned that the cost to renovate and get all the machines and and such would be somewhere close to $14,000. And I was like, well, I don't really have that money right now. I I mean, I I do actually, but I need to buy a fabric so that we can give you the orders because I don't want to uh, expand all the space and then have all the space and have all these machines and all these new girls, but then not have any money to actually give you the work yeah so that's where I I started the tilt campaign and and I reached out to our internet our social media friends and and we were able to raise um, around 11,000 for the sewing center so we were able to do those renovations (laughs) that Ramesh started just what he he told me one day he's like I'm just gonna start doing this renovation the money will come I'm just like oh my gosh <laughs> okay okay let me get on the tilt campaign I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna do this and let's see if it, it works and and thank god it did um so <laughs> we um we've been hiring some more girls and so we're amazing. looking to hire some more specifically gifted people like some people who have a little bit more experience such as um being able to cut fabric and lay out patterns and stuff like that so so that um we can continue to to do the the increase in orders that is amazing uh i just 
I was so excited. I mean, yeah, when you guys launched the campaign and then when it got tilted, I was so excited. And then, and then something that was even more exciting. So for some, for those of you that maybe know or don't know, I did a shirt collaboration with you guys in September and it was like literally a dream come true. It was so, it was just, oh my gosh, it was one of the coolest things (laughs) I've ever gotten to do. But I mean, one of the most amazing things about this, about, I just, I I feel like I, I say like my community, but just like the community of people that I just... I try to surround myself with, I mean, y'all like knocked it out of the park. And then we had like all these sales and you guys were able to fully fund the sewing center renovation. And I just like, that got me so fired up because I was just like, (laughs) yes, this is what it's about. Like, this is what it's about. This is about, you know, providing jobs and just continuing to, to bless these people. And that's what I love too, because I remember when I used to work for Liam Fung and, and I never really connected directly with the factories and the people that were making the clothes. But it's something that did cross my mind sometimes was, are these people that are working for us, are they um, being uh, provided for and empowered in a way that's really allowing them to live a dignified and, and a glori- glorious lifestyle? Yeah. And um, to be able to now know for sure yeah. that this is happening and, and also the restoration of these women is happening too because yes. Pretty much, I think all but one of the women in our center, they've all been rescued from trafficking. They've wow. gone through, um, they've gone through the counseling programs, and they were rescued at the borders of Nepal and India. So they all, you know, have a redemption happening in their lives right now, and that to me is just amazing. That's amazing. Uh, so for people that are, you know, maybe are not familiar with Elegant Tees and want to be able to find you guys online and connect with you what's the best way for them to do that where are you guys on the internets (laughs) (laughs) well we do have a website and we're on social media as well we pretty much are only on instagram and facebook so um it's just basically it's the word elegant e-l-e-g-a-n-t and then e-e-s so it's a pun on the word (laughs) elegant and tees and we started first with only elegant t-shirts but now we've expanded into tunics and dresses and some other fun things. So, yeah. but it's still elegant teeth. And there's lots of really fun things on the horizon for 2017. I oh, <laughs> we're just so excited for you um, and all that you're doing. And um, just, and to share with the listeners too, just a little bit more about you. I mean, you are just, your husband Israel is just such a big part of helping you and supporting you in the business. Um, you have two beautiful kiddos who are and and I feel like very connected to you in that way as well because our kids are pretty much like you have a older daughter and a younger son and our kids are pretty much exactly the same age apart you have yeah. uh, Joanna and Luke and they're just the sweetest and Am- I actually got to um I was got to come up to New York over the summer and I brought Amos with me and Luke and Amos are like basically best friends so <laughs> <laughs> It was adorable because they're only a week apart. I know. them together. (laughs) I know. I love it. I love it. Um, So, Katie, you know, other than, you know, obviously running Elegant Tees and spending time with your husband and your family and and being just an amazing mom, what are some things that you do for you to recharge? You know, are you reading anything right now? What are you listening to? And, you know, what's what's in your earbuds? What what, What kind of things are you doing for you? Hmm. Well, I do try to read a little bit. 
we I, I have an amazing, my husband and I, we have an amazing counselor who visits us in our apartment once a week. And she's, her name is actually Joanne. We named our daughter Joanna after her. She's been in my husband's life, like before he even met me. Oh, <laughs> so wow. it's really, she's such a, she's such an amazing woman. She's in her late eighties too, but Aww. she sometimes does some reading material, you know, to help us as we're, we're aiming to raise, um, you know, godly godly children and so right now I'm reading a book and actually I can't tell you what it's called because my daughter ripped the cover off of it <laughs> but hashtag, it's really, hashtag uh, toddler mom it, problems yeah uh, a lot of times I try to read uh, more serious stuff that makes me just more aware of just more sensitive sensitivity for people and that are um, going through certain types of addiction or are just breaking through um, un- unhealthy patterns. But also, I, I do desire greatly for my children to know that they are loved and yeah. and to know what that what love really does look like. And yeah. so that's one of my one of my personal desires. No, oh, I love that. I love that. Katie, you are just, you're such an inspiration to me. You're an inspiration to so many people. And I just, I, I'm, I feel very grateful and very fortunate to know you. And, uh, I just thank you so much for coming on the show today and for sharing your story. And I know that you, that people are just going to be so inspired. And for those of you that have not tried Elegant Teas, I've, I, hopefully I've built it up enough for you to finally pull oh the plug. Um, but I'll go ahead. And, so you can use the code Molly. I think it's, is it just, I think it's just the code Molly at checkout. You can get a little discount yeah. off your order if you want to try out Elegant Teas. So Absolutely. you should go do that. I mean, the holiday season is upon us do some oh, yes. gifting very very good gifts for <laughs> yes. sure yes 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 every every uh hang tag too is signed by the woman who makes it so. yes i love that and, and when people read it then they stumble upon it it really um really encourages them that, I love that their clothes are being made and restoring women so it's awesome yes katie thank you so much for being on the show i really appreciate it this is so fun thanks for having me yeah and thank you guys so much for listening be sure if you haven't already please be sure to subscribe to us on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts we are there uh be sure to leave a review that really helps us and uh, definitely share this with your friends if you liked it because that's how we're able to get the word out about the show so thank you for listening thank you for supporting and thank you for encouraging all these amazing you know business owners that i've had just the honor to speak with and thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you guys next week on the business with purpose podcast bye